We had an epic week of games this last week in college football. All the big games delivered for us in one way or another. And of course, now the controversy arises. Let's get into it. Hey, it was BYOG. Bring your own guts. Fourth and five, the national championship on the line. Got the big man. I think Notre Dame got it right there. What's up, everybody? Let's Talk College Football Podcast. Michael Kirkering here. And you know what? At first, I was going to wait until the playoff rankings come out tonight, and then I was going to do the podcast tomorrow to debate them and do all this stuff. But then I realized that would be a little hypocritical because, as I've said, the, the rankings don't matter. So whatever they put, for example, Alabama, that's the one everybody's wondering, right? Are they going to stay in the top four or not? I'm telling you right now, it doesn't matter if Alabama stays in the top four. If Alabama gets ranked fourth, and if you want my prediction, I think that they will stay in the top four after this week. I'm also telling you that that doesn't mean anything. Because what a lot of people are going to do is they're going to take that as, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. That means that if the top four win out, that that's your playoff, right? Clemson might still be at five you know, in this whole thing. I, I think they might jump to three, which would be weird, right? Because they were they were at five and then four lost and three lost, that being Penn State and Bama. But I don't know what they're going to do. Maybe Clemson does jump to three, which would make the most sense to me. That's where I would have them. But let's say Bama stays in the top four. They're number four. Now, to the casual fan, to the person that just doesn't understand... Right? They're going to look at that and go, hey, that means that Alabama is ahead of Georgia, Oklahoma, Oregon, Utah, Minnesota, Penn State. And therefore, if they went out and those teams below them went out, they're going to be selected over them. They're, they're going to stay ahead of them. And that's not true. It just isn't. And I don't need to keep repeating all the evidence that if you want to listen to last Friday's show where I gave a ton of evidence and basically an insight of what the committee does and what the rules are you can go to that for the evidence but we all know that Alabama might stay in the top four through the end of the regular season but as soon as championship Saturday happens and you get other one-loss teams winning their conferences while Alabama doesn't those teams will then jump Alabama. At least one of them will and will make the playoff. As I've said before, if Oregon wins out, they're not guaranteed a playoff spot because you still have Oklahoma, you have the Big 12 stuff going on, the Big 10 could get interesting. But if they win out, they are getting in the playoff over Alabama. That's just what's going to happen, guys. Uh, Same with Oklahoma. If Oklahoma wins out, they're not guaranteed a playoff spot. They don't completely control their destiny because, you know, they might be going up for that spot against an Oregon team, a Utah team, maybe if someone else other than Ohio State wins the Big Ten, right? Like, that's going to happen. However, they will get selected for the playoff over Alabama. And people just need to realize what the committee actually does. This is not about the four best teams, who's favored over who on neutral fields, who you would bet your money on, okay? I'm okay with that. I know a lot of people wish it was like that, but the committee has proven every single year that that's not how this thing works. That's why I call them the BCS committee. Now, let's jump back to the committee and the rankings in a second. Let's first just get out of the way some of the fun games and go over them, right? So, obviously, you had the big game, game of the century, Alabama LSU and this was a really fun game to watch it pretty much lived up to the hype 
Um, however, I would not say it was one of the most classic games I've ever seen. I went back and rewatched every LSU Bama game since 2007 this last week leading up to this game. I, I do that with a lot of the matchups. I'm a nerd. I got my hard drive with all these old classic games on them. And when we're leading up to certain big games, right, like let's say I'll do the same thing for Ohio State, Penn State coming up and whatever the matchup is, right? Florida State, Florida are playing. I'm going to rewatch all the epic games leading up to that season you know, all the past games. Some some teams have a bigger history than others, right? Some some of these games, the history, like let's say Michigan, Notre Dame, for example, right? I've got like 20 of those games. And those are just like the big time ranked versus ranked ones. Not to, You know, there's been a lot of games, you know, 50 plus of, of those types of matchups. But specifically Alabama, LSU, uh, there are some, you know, big games from like the 80s and a couple 90s ones. But as far as recently, every game from 2007 to now, they've both been ranked going into the matchup, and they've usually in the, that same time span finished the season ranked, sometimes higher than others, but they've all been big-time games that have pretty much decided, outside of a couple years, who the West champion was going to be, or at least who was going to be in the driver's seat going forward in the West, right? So I will say, as great as this game was, I have it maybe in the top five of the LSU-Bama games of the last, since 2007 to now. And I know some people are like, what do you mean? It was number one, or at least maybe number two between 9-6. And I don't I don't think so, because as great as this game was, and, and it was a classic, I'd, I'd call it a classic, but to me, a true all-time classic game has to have the feeling that you do not know who's going to win. The entire game, you have to have that feeling. And the number one statistic to me when deciding how classic a game is, for me, it's lead changes. There was not a single lead change in this Alabama-LSU game. LSU had the lead the entire game. And for large portions of the game, they had a pretty big lead. Right? Alabama had to fight and crawl their way back into this game. And it also had one of those feelings where this is a big determining factor too. Did you really feel like LSU was threatened? Personally, I don't think they were. I think due to the way the game was flowing, and I know Alabama scored late and they got this game within five points or whatever it was, and that was crucial for making their case later. Although, like I said, I don't think it matters. But if you don't, if you think it does matter, right, it was crucial that they got that game as close as it was. But if you watch the game, and that's the other thing, if we go back to the committee, remember, they watch the games, supposedly, right? They don't just look at scores. They watch the games. And if you watched that game, you had to feel like LSU was hands down the better team, at least that day. Now, I definitely think these teams could play 10 times, and Alabama definitely could win five of them, maybe even, you know, six, six of them. But that day, and this is college football where you only play once outside of the rare, 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 rare postseason rematches we hardly ever get, you only play once, and on that day, LSU was better, and I think significantly better. I think LSU had put the game away, and they relaxed a little bit, and it wasn't until they sort of felt threatened again that they went back on the gas pedal and Basically, to me, the reason why I don't think this game is an all-time classic is because any time LSU was on the gas pedal full throttle, they did whatever they wanted to, especially offensively, but even defensively a little bit. When they were going full freaking throttle in this game, they controlled it, right? And when you get to a big lead, when you get a really big lead, it doesn't matter who you're playing, the gas pedal throttle comes up a little bit. LSU was still very emotional, playing aggressive, but they let Alabama back in this game because they stepped off the gas a little bit. And then as soon as it got time to like, okay, if we don't go back on the gas, they're going to actually take the lead here. LSU, you know, that, that drive in the fourth quarter when Alabama finally scored to make it a one-score game, LSU says, screw it. They go right back on the gas. They fly down the field. Burrow looks awesome. They score two scores again. Suck it, Bama, right? That was That's what they did in that moment. Now they feel like they have the game won. That's when they give up this other long touchdown pass, right, that Alabama scores on. And, and I'm not trying to take away from Bama. Bama still didn't manage to keep this game close. Can you imagine if Alabama recovers that onside kick? I don't think they score again, though. They, they totally could have, 
right? That That's a total opinion. That's just a judgment on my part. But if Alabama recovers that onside kick, I think LSU all of a sudden is, holy cow, we are massively threatened again. And then they would control that series. Like they did every single series in the game where they had their foot on the gas. So that game was incredible. A lot of crazy plays really showed you what LSU can be. I'm still, I know Alabama's offense is incredible, but I'm still a tad bit skeptical of LSU's defense. And that's why I honestly feel like, you know, Ohio State or Clemson, I have a hard time putting them behind LSU in my betting rankings. Now, if you're going off of resume, what a team has accomplished, I have no problem with LSU being number one. Because again, we, we, we take four teams and the seeding isn't too crazy to me important, right? But as far as if you're betting, you know, if you're saying who are the two most complete teams in the country, I'm still taking Ohio State and Clemson because I think both of their offenses, while they might not quite be what LSU is, they're close enough, right? Ohio State has a crazy explosive offense, right? The, the read option they got going with Fields and J.K. Dobbins running the ball, and the receivers that they have, even at Ohio State, you know, that's an incredible offense. I think Clemson has the best quarterback in the country. Doesn't matter that he's playing a little rough this year, having a little tiny sophomore slump. Clemson's just bored right now. And Ohio State and Clemson both have defenses that I think are far and away better than Alabama, but I think also better than LSU. I think both of those defenses are right up there with the Auburn defense. And, I mean, when you, can, you compare the LSU-Alabama game to LSU-Auburn, right, and you see what an Auburn defense was able to do against LSU, obviously weren't able to stop them in any way, but they limited them a lot more than Alabama was ever going to be able to do against them. The thing is, Alabama just had an offense that could actually score, and Auburn's been pretty abysmal on offense this year, especially in the games where Bo Nix hasn't played well. So... That's my take on the LSU-Bama game, and I think that's important for a couple of reasons because, like I said, I don't think it matters if that game was the greatest game of all time. You had your back and forth, all these lead changes, and you just had no idea who the better team was and whoever won the game won because they had the ball last. I don't think it matters even if it did go down that way, but if it would have gone down that way, Alabama has a way better argument than the one that I think they have right now. And I'll get back to that in a second, but let me take care of the other games so another big time game that was fun to watch you know you had texas kansas state and that was an important game for oklahoma and kind of lsu right oklahoma's sitting there like well we beat texas so do we want texas to win this game to make our win look better or do they want kansas state to win that game to make their loss look better you know it, it that's a really hard thing to do I don't, I don't know do you want your loss to look better or do you want your win to look better in today's college football play playoff scenarios and the way college football works right now, I'm not sure what the answer to that question is. Because it seems like a lot of times you get rewarded more for a good loss than you do for a decent win. Or even a good win half the time, right? I mean, Alabama, like I said, they'll probably still be in the top four, at least top five. They don't have a good win. But they do have a good loss. Clemson also doesn't have a great win. But they have no losses. And a lot of people think that Alabama should still be ahead of Clemson, which is a little asinine to me, but that's kind of where we stand. So so if you're Oklahoma and you are looking at this Texas-Kansas State game, I'm not sure who they were rooting for. I honestly think maybe Kansas State. But if you're LSU, you had some stake in that game because you want your Texas win to keep looking really good no matter what happens down the stretch. So if Texas can rally and finish 9-3 and three regular season, be a potential 10-win team, that looks great for LSU still. If they stumbled in that game, lost to Kansas State, and then maybe lost to Baylor, they still have to play Iowa State, and they turn into like a 7-5, and 8-4 team that lost. I mean, that, that win that LSU has over them doesn't look as good. So that was an important game for even the national college football scene as it relates to other teams but then you take that game in its own right and it was a great game back and forth kansas state texas texas is able to get the win and a field goal at the very end that was a very good game i thought really enjoyed watching that i had that on the other tv while i'm watching lsu in alabama now if we go back to the morning penn state minnesota wow i mean what is the real takeaway from that game because penn state didn't look bad if that makes sense right like penn state still looked like the team i thought they were which is a really good top five 
college football team. And the way Minnesota beat them, you know, you're thinking going into that game, okay, the only way Minnesota wins this game, one, they got to be lucky, have a classic, right? Their biggest home game in years, like balls have to bounce their way, luck has to go their way, and they have to keep this game low scoring and suffocate it. That wasn't the case. Minnesota's offense showed up against what we know is a pretty good Penn State defense. I think the Penn State defense is better than Alabama, maybe LSU, and Minnesota moved the ball on them. They played very well in this game. Their quarterback surprised me. I mean, I'll be honest, it's one of the first games where I've watched start to end involving Minnesota, but I just was not expecting that. And Penn State found a way to come back in the game and keep it close, but that was just a very good football game. And I think Minnesota is proving that they belong in the top five, maybe. Definitely the top 10, maybe the top five. I don't know how you can really justify them not being a top five, six team at this point. Because again, are you going to not punish teams for losing? Take out the top three, top four, even leave Bama aside for a second. Minnesota has just as good of a win now as Georgia does. Definitely a better win than Oregon or Utah has at all. And they haven't lost a game. So Georgia has some good wins. You know, Notre Dame's impressive. Florida's very impressive. Maybe right up there with as good as a Penn State win. But Georgia has a very bad loss. Of all the highly ranked teams that do have a loss, Georgia's is by far the worst. I mean, South Carolina is very bad this year. And other than that Georgia game that they somehow pull out of their ass, like they're just a terrible team this year. So to me, an undefeated team with a good win has to be ranked ahead of a Georgia team who also has good wins but has this terrible loss, right? That just just makes no sense to me. So that game... Minnesota-Penn State was very eye-opening, right? And it keeps Minnesota right in the thick of things. And it also didn't really damage Penn State too much because it wasn't a division game. It's not going to cost Penn State the division. If Penn State can turn around now and beat Ohio State, win their division, win the Big Ten as a 12-1 team, they're going to the college football playoff, right? Just kind of like when you talk about Georgia. If Georgia wins out as a 12-1 SEC champion, we know they're going to the playoff. So that game was really fun because it kept both teams alive, where if Minnesota would have lost, although technically on paper they'd still be alive because they could still technically, you know, go 12-1, you just wouldn't have believed it to be possible. So that game was really fun big for college football it keeps more playoff teams alive which is what you want and it's just very impressive now another big game was oklahoma iowa state that one went on late into the night and iowa state's a good football team there's a reason why matt campbell the head coach at iowa state is be considered for a lot of other jobs a lot of people think he's going to end up in the nfl what he's done at iowa state has been very impressive and for the third year in a row the oklahoma iowa state game is a close game. Two years ago, Iowa State wins that game. And now they've lost two years in a row, but they've been competitive games. And it sucks because this is now Iowa State's fourth loss. But of, of all the four lost teams out there, Iowa State is pretty freaking good. You know, so that game, Oklahoma looked like they had in hand early. I think they were up 42 to 21 at one point. They led Iowa State back in the game. Long story short, Iowa State is about to tie the game up. They score the game-tying touchdown, but they opt to go for the win on the two-point conversion instead of the tie, which I do not blame them for. I think when you're underdog on the road, you play to win, versus if you're the home team, you play for overtime. That's typically my rule. And honestly, they they had that play. There was a wide-open guy in the back of the end zone that the quarterback didn't see, and the guy he did throw the ball to, I would argue, was interfered with pretty badly, but there was a no-call there. Regardless, Oklahoma hangs on. And I really don't look at that as a bad win for them. Or It would be nice if you're Oklahoma, you wish you would have won that by more points and held on. But regardless, they get the win. They're still alive. They can go 12-1. and And if you go 12-1 and and win your conference, you have a very, very realistic shot to get in the playoff, right? There's not a lot of teams that are going to beat you out for that. Maybe another 12-1 and team with a slightly better resume. You know, like if it's Oklahoma versus Oregon, I think you'd have to give it to Oregon. If it ends up being Oklahoma versus Utah, that's going to be very, very interesting debate. So, and we'll see how it plays off. 
or plays out down the stretch. But yeah, so those were some of the big games of the weekend. Um, so now let's get back into the rankings. Like I said, I'm not waiting for the rankings to come out. I'm going to tell you right now what I think the rankings will be. I think you're going to have LSU 1, maybe Ohio State still, because let, let's keep one thing honest. Although Ohio State didn't have this game against Bama, they still won and they put 70 points on the board against Maryland, who's not good. But the committee thought they were the number one team last week. The committee also thought LSU was the number two team last week. And number two beats number three. Well, according to the committee, they that's what they should have thought was going to happen because they had LSU above Alabama. So that means you think LSU would beat Alabama, right? And Ohio State didn't do anything to show that they are not number one. So it's just going to depend on if they think the resume for LSU is just too great to not have a number one. It doesn't matter who's one and who's two there. Ohio State one, LSU two. Here's what I don't know is going to happen at three and four because Penn State lost. You don't really see Georgia jumping Clemson. You don't see Minnesota getting in there. So I think Clemson might jump to three now. And I would not be surprised at all if Alabama goes to number four. Not Would not be surprised at all. In fact, I think Alabama will be at number four. I also wouldn't be surprised if Alabama stayed at three and Clemson went to four, right? But like I've said before, that's not going to matter at the end of the season when on championship Saturday, other 11-1 teams are playing in conference championships against other 11-1, 10-2 teams, and Alabama is sitting at home. I think the very second Oklahoma goes 12-1, or Penn State, or Oregon, or Utah, as soon as those teams go 12-1 with the conference championship, they will, by de facto tiebreaker, get put ahead of Alabama. Alabama needs the Pac-12 winner to have two losses, in my opinion. They need the Big 12 champion to have two losses, in my opinion, or Clemson losing a game. Clemson's the one team that could go 12-1 and with a conference championship that I think might cost them because of how weak the schedule's been. But honestly, let, let's break something down. And this is where I was saying, do the wins matter? Do the losses matter? You, In my opinion, winning has to be better than losing, no matter who the win was against, no matter who the loss was against, right? Look at Alabama and Clemson. Prior to this weekend, their schedules to me were basically identical, okay? Going through the SEC gauntlet that Alabama had gone through so far, take out the common opponent A&M. I think beating Tennessee, beating Arkansas, beating Ole Miss, I don't think that's any different than Clemson this year beating Louisville, Syracuse, Boston College, Florida State, NC State. Those are mediocre at best conference opponents. You could almost argue the SEC ones are worse, right? Arkansas is terrible. They just got blown out by Western Kentucky at home. Blown out by Western Kentucky. They also lost to San Jose State this year, right? I'm pretty sure. So they're terrible. They just fired their coach. The second team this year to fire a coach in less than two years. And that that's another story on its own. But Arkansas is terrible, right? I mean, they're just terrible. So Alabama and Clemson, prior to this weekend, if you take out the LSU game, had identical schedules for the most part, right? North Carolina is a decent team that... Clemson had their close game against, but they beat them. I, you know, Clem North Carolina beat South Carolina, which is one of Alabama's other SEC wins right now. Um, I know South Carolina then went on to beat Georgia, so I mean, what the heck's going on, right? It's just it's mediocre conference opponents, and the majority of teams that are really good play in other conferences, and yeah, they play mediocre conference opponents. Look at Ohio State; they got that big win against Wisconsin. But other than that, you know, they're beating Maryland. They're beating a four or five loss Michigan State team now, right? They're beating Indiana, right? These these teams that whatever, right? You could argue one of Ohio State's best wins is Cincinnati right now. Cincinnati's playing well and ranked. So Alabama and Clemson, their schedules were identical. And then they have one common opponent, which is even more key in comparing them. They both played Texas A&M. And they both beat Texas A&M pretty bad. Kind of in different ways. Alabama kind of outscored AM and Clemson kind of just shut down AM defensively. 
which to me is almost more impressive than what Alabama did to them. But either way, forget that. Look, they both beat A&M bad. A&M didn't stand a chance in either of those games. Now, the only difference now is Alabama has played LSU, but they lost. So you have a team that hasn't lost, has a common opponent, a very similar strength of schedule, and then you have a team, Alabama, who has lost now. My opinion, Clemson's got to be above Bama. Like I said, it doesn't matter in the ranking scenario because if Clemson wins out, they are going to the college football playoff. It doesn't matter if they win the rest of their games by one point each and look really sloppy. An undefeated Power 5 team is never getting left out of the college football playoff. And Notre Dame proved it last year, right? Even if you don't play in a conference and have a conference championship game, if you're undefeated, you're going to the playoff. The only scenario in the world where an undefeated team from a Power 5 conference or Notre Dame would get left out of the playoff is if there was more than four of them. Because then by default, you'd have to leave one out because we only get to take four. That is the only scenario where an undefeated team could ever get jumped or be left out of the college football playoff. So we know that. That's pretty unanimous. People agree with that. Which is a little hypocritical because if you're trying to make the argument that Obama's oh, still one of the best four teams, well then you should have been making the big argument last year that Notre Dame shouldn't have been in the playoff because they're not one of the best four teams. And I know a lot of people were making that argument, sort of. It was a discussion being had. But nobody was upset that an undefeated team made the college football playoff. We all just accepted that. And that and I agree with that. I think an undefeated team should make it. But if you accept that, then you have to accept the fact that earning more and deserving more is more important than best four teams, right? If Oregon or Oklahoma or Utah or whoever goes 12 and 1, meaning they have the same amount of losses as Alabama, but they have one more win and they have a division and conference championship that Alabama wouldn't have, those teams deserve to be in the playoff over Alabama. Especially when you consider, like I said, Alabama hadn't really played anybody until this LSU game, and then they lost the LSU game. So they have, cool, a good loss, but no good wins. A lot of these other teams have decent wins. I would argue Oregon beating Washington is a better win than any win that Alabama has. Maybe Texas A&M is sort of comparable, right? Uh, Washington State is a decent team that Oregon beat. Obviously, not not a top 25 team, but a pretty good team that, that's had their number that they've beaten. And they have a good loss also. It might not be to LSU, but it was to a good Auburn team in the very first game in the season. Oh, and also it was a game where Oregon had like three of their top receivers injured. Right? Alabama's already trying to pull, oh, Tua was 100%. And if injuries matter, you got to take that in consideration during Oregon's loss. Oregon didn't have their top three receivers, and those receivers are playing big time right now, making a lot of plays for Oregon. Utah lost a game where their running back, who is basically their entire offense, was injured. Right? Moss goes down early in that USC game that Utah lost. And that game was really weird. A lot of penalties. Very interesting. USC is a talented team. They don't always have the wins to back it up, but they have athletes. They have talent. They're not well coached, but they have the ability to beat most teams on any given day if the if the right things happen. So those teams, if they win a conference championship and only have one loss and Alabama doesn't have a conference championship with just the one loss, I think it's a no-brainer. Those teams move ahead of them. And like I said, Alabama might still be ranked ahead of them all season long, but I'm telling you, as soon as those conference championship games happen, they're jumping Alabama. And remember, the same thing happened to TCU in 2014, the first year of the playoff. Going into championship Saturday, TCU was number three in the country by the playoff rankings. And even though they didn't play in a conference championship game, they actually played a game that weekend. The same weekend that everybody was playing a game, it wasn't like TCU sat at home because they didn't have the conference title game. The Big 12 was playing their last regular season games. Uh, TCU beat, I want to say it was maybe Kansas. It wasn't a very good Big 12 team, but they put like 60 points on the board and won as the number three team in the rankings. Well, guess what? Everybody who actually had a conference championship and the same record as TCU jumped TCU. TCU went from number three 
And then after winning a game, putting 60 points on the board, they went down two spots from three to five and missed the playoff. And I think we might see the exact same thing happen with Alabama this year. Alabama might stay in the top four all the way up until championship Saturday. And then they're going to sit at home while number five, Oregon plays number six or seven Utah, while a ranked Oklahoma team in the top 10 plays another top 10 team in Baylor or something like that. And whether it's Baylor coming out of the Big 12 at 12 and 1 or Oklahoma or Oregon or Utah coming out of the Pac-12 at 12 and 1, those two champions will jump Alabama. And Alabama will probably go from number 4 down to like number 6 when it's all said and done, right? Even though they're not they might not lose a game going forward. And I kind of hope that happens. I I hope that Auburn doesn't beat LS or Alabama at the end of the season because then obviously Bama's out. But everybody's going to act like that game knocked them out of the playoff when I honestly believe that the LSU game has already knocked them out of the playoff barring something happening in the Pac-12, right? Maybe Oregon gets upset against Arizona State this week and they have two losses and then they they win the Pac-12 as a two-loss team. Bama would get in over them. That is a given. We've seen that happen before when Alabama got in over a two-loss Ohio State team in 2017 and over... USC who had two losses that same year we saw in 2016 where Ohio State got in over their own conference champion Penn State who beat them but that Penn State team had two losses remember the best records make the college football playoff at the end of the day it's just like the BCS that's what it came down to they take the top they take the top four records Okay, so if we have three undefeated teams like let's say LSU Clemson and Ohio State those teams are undefeated they are in Okay, who would have the next best record? It would be a 12-1 conference champion. So let's say that's Oklahoma and Oregon. Both of those teams are going to get in the debate before Alabama does at 11-1. That's what's going to happen. I know SEC fans don't want to hear that. They don't think that's true. But what is the real argument for not for it going the other way, right? A lot of people are saying, oh, well, Bama's just Bama. I, I know they're better, right? I'm getting, I'm getting in Twitter wars with people, and they're not making bad arguments if the playoff was actually about selecting the best four teams, but we wouldn't need a committee to do that. We would take the Vegas model, right? Everybody's saying, you wouldn't take Bama over Oregon, Oklahoma, Utah on a neutral field with your money, Minnesota, Baylor, right? Like, you know you would bet them, and yeah, they're damn right I would bet them. If Alabama played Oregon in Atlanta tomorrow, or in the Rose Bowl tomorrow, I'm betting on Nick Saban in Alabama. That doesn't mean, in my opinion, in a lot of people's opinion, that they deserve a playoff spot over Oregon for accomplishing less. Because guess what? Everybody's acting like Clemson, you know, shouldn't get in, they're undefeated. Guess what? Even if Clemson lost a game next week to, who knows, I don't know who they're playing, but let's say they lost to Georgia Tech. I would still bet Clemson to beat all those same teams on a neutral field. That doesn't mean Clemson should get in over those teams. And no one has a problem with that argument, right? If Clemson dropped a game, a fluke game, even if Clemson lost to a good team, let's say Clemson played a caliber team like LSU, you know, preseason and lost and was about to be 12-1 and instead of undefeated. Everybody would act like, oh, they lost to the only good team they played, and nobody would be giving them the, well, they're Clemson, benefit of the doubt. We've, we've reached a point in college football where Ohio State, Clemson, and Bama are the same when it comes to, even if they drop a game, they are who they are, and you would put your money on their athletes and their coaching staffs to beat most all teams on a neutral field. Well, that's called the Vegas model, guys, and the Vegas model is not what's used. Otherwise, we wouldn't even have a committee. We would just ask Vegas and the staggering rankings and these other computer systems, who are the best four teams? And look, Alabama can have three losses, and I'm still putting my money on them against most teams because it's Nick Saban, and it's Alabama, and it's their roster. That's not how sports work, okay? That argument is this is a little bit of apples to oranges, but that argument is almost as asinine as saying, you know what? I know Duke in Kentucky got knocked out in the Sweet 16 round or had this big upset in the second round, but they're just better than the seven-seed Cinderella team that made the Final Four, so let's just put them in the Final Four. No, that's not how it works. And I know people are 
like I said, that's a little bit of an apples to oranges comparison because you're like, well, they lost in the playoff, in the tournament. Guys, college football is a season-long playoff. If you don't want controversy, don't lose a football game. Don't lose. If you don't want to be put in a weird debate, don't lose. And SEC fans are the only people that have a problem with me saying that because they're like, well, our schedule is just harder than everybody. It's We don't go undefeated all the time. Well, guess what? Then you get put in this debate where it's up to hearsay, and at the end of the day, they're probably going to go with the team that accomplished more, even if your roster's better, even if we know you'd probably win on a neutral field. Look, we all knew that Georgia probably beats Notre Dame on a neutral field last year. It didn't matter. One team was 12-0, and and one team was 11-2. and Two losses, never going to jump an undefeated, let alone a one loss. It wasn't going to happen. Sorry, Georgia. If you wanted to get in the playoff last year, don't lose two games. Beat Alabama. Beat them. Don't act like, oh, we're still really good. Beat Alabama and shut up or understand that you're going to be put in this debate. And if you have less accomplishments than other teams in an even record or worse record, the other teams are going to get the nod over you. Period. Right? So knowing that Alabama is probably out of it unless chaos happens in the Big 12 or Pac-12, right? What it's really going to come down to this debate is going to be Oregon and Utah versus Baylor or Oklahoma. Because let's say Oklahoma beats Baylor this week coming or next week, whenever they play. Let's say that happens. And let's say the Pac-12 and Big 12 championship games are played between one lost teams on all sides, right? So you have an 11-1 Oregon playing 11-1 Utah, 11-1 Oklahoma playing 11-1 Baylor. The winner of those games are going to be in the playoff debate above 11-1 Alabama, right? Assuming that we get an undefeated Ohio State or whatever. And guys, even a a 12-1 Minnesota, right? Let's say Minnesota drops their next game to Iowa, which I actually think they're underdogs when this line opened up. I think they're like, they might be six and a half point underdogs or whatever it is. I I think they're underdogs. That's how the line opened up. So let's say Minnesota loses a game, but then they beat Wisconsin at the end of the year. They go play Ohio State in the Big 12 championship game. They win that game they're in. And in that situation, Ohio State as a 12 and 1 non-conference champion still in my opinion has the nod over an 11 and 1 Alabama non-conference champion Alabama already has a better win than Ala- or sorry Ohio State already has a better win than Alabama right now and if Alabama beats Auburn that'll be a good win okay but if Ohio State makes the Big 10 championship game undefeated They're going to have big-time wins against Wisconsin. Penn State will still be a great win. That's still a very good Penn State football team. They're going to have a big win over them, and they'd have a big win over Michigan, right? A Michigan team that'll probably be 9-2 with the chance to have 10 wins going into that Ohio State game. So the Big Ten is pretty much settled. We're at a point where we're probably not going to have a Big Ten champion with more than one loss. So that means they're going to the playoff, right? I would take any of the one-loss Big Ten teams over the Pac-12 one-loss team or the Big 12 one-loss team, and most certainly over an Alabama one-loss team that doesn't win their conference. I don't care if it's Minnesota, Penn State, or Ohio State. All three of those teams, if they win the Big Ten at 12-1, and they're no shadow of a doubt getting in over Bama. No questions asked. And most likely... Even if it's Minnesota, because that Ohio State win, if they get that, would be so big. I think I would take the Big Ten one-loss team over Oklahoma, Baylor, Oregon, or Utah as well. But Alabama, to me, is out of this discussion. It's it's stupid that we have to pretend they're in the discussion because they're not in the discussion. Now, the playoff committee is going to do their thing. They're going to have Alabama in the top four this week. Watch. Tonight, when the rankings come out, Alabama's going to be in the top four everybody's going to flip out. Oregon fans are going to be complaining. I'm telling Oregon fans, Utah fans, Oklahoma fans, Baylor fans, it doesn't matter. Trust me. Don't flip out when Alabama gets put ahead of you tonight. Just go win your games and go win your conference, and I promise you, you will jump them. And it's so funny to me that Alabama fans, they, they think I'm retarded right now, probably. They think that that's the dumbest thing I could say. I've got Alabama fans on Twitter coming at me like, dude, 
Alabama gets in over a 12-1 Oregon, 12-1 Utah, 12-1 Oklahoma. No questions asked. They don't understand how that's even debatable. And I get it because a lot of people, not just Bama fans, but a lot of people have been lured into the illusion that this committee picks the best four teams, that this committee follows the Vegas model. Go listen to my podcast from last Friday if you want all the evidence. I'm not going to repeat it all for the 80th time. But no, the committee has proven time and time and time and time again that it's not the Vegas model. It's not the four best teams on paper with the best rosters, best coaches. It's about the four most accomplished teams. And if Alabama loses to the only really good team they played at home and really just has an Auburn win, and that's the only thing they have, they will not get in over conference champions with the same record. Well, they'd have a better record because a 12-1 and is better than 11-1. and Having a conference championship is better than not having a conference championship. The committee picks the teams with the best records. That's what's going to happen. So let's just let's give up the debate. It's over, okay? Alabama lost this year. So you, you didn't go to the playoff this year. There's finally an SEC team that was better than you. LSU finally, after like eight straight years, the last time LSU had beaten Alabama prior to this was the 2011 regular season game, the 9-6 game, the true game of the century, classic game where you really couldn't tell who was better. Since then, Alabama won the rematch of the national title, then they won in 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. So they had won seven in a row, and then they finally lost, okay? LSU finally beat you, Alabama. Cool. Guess what? Joe Burrow's graduating. Those receivers will go pro. You'll still have Nick Saban in your recruiting classes. Just go beat him next year and go back to the playoff again, okay? Chill out. But it's also interesting, too, how I, I, I talked about this, like, way earlier in the year about how when you lose your identity, what does that mean, right? I mean, Alabama fans are mad on Twitter, and obviously you have crazy stupid ones saying, like, oh, fire Saban, poorly coached. Look, Bama, when you went with the Tua thing and you went with this high-flying offense, you became a Big 12 team, right? So all you SEC fans that used to talk about how bad the Big 12 defense was, that's what your premier game this year was a typical Big 12 football game. That was the Oklahoma-Texas game from last year. That was the classic Oklahoma-Oklahoma State games that we've seen in the past, these high-scoring affairs, not a lot of defense. So if you were going to complain about all those in the past years and go, oh, the Big 12 doesn't play defense, doesn't play defense, and I think there was truth to that. I used to be on that train too, which is why in 2019, as good as LSU is, I still think they're flawed. I would bet Ohio State and Clemson against LSU on neutral fields. I don't even know what the Vegas line for that hypothetical scenario would be right now, but I'm going with Clemson and Ohio State as the two best teams right now, okay? That's who I'm putting my money on. And even though I'm putting my money on Alabama to beat the majority of teams as well, those are the two teams I'm not betting Alabama to beat on a neutral field. We saw it in the national championship last year. We saw it in the LSU game this year. Alabama just isn't quite the defense they used to be, and they do have a tremendous offense, and they were able to get in that shootout with LSU because LSU has an incredible offense, absolutely incredible, but their defense isn't quite the old LSU teams either. Neither of these Alabama or LSU teams have those 2011 defenses. Can you imagine if these 2011 Alabama LSU teams could combine with these 2019 teams and these offenses to go with those defenses? That would have been a true game of the century. That would have been astounding. But we don't have that. We have what we have, which is really great offense, mediocre defense. The Clemson defense, to me, isn't quite what they were last year because they did lose all those NFL defensive linemen, but they still have incredible defensive linemen. They're still really, really good. Ohio State, even without Chase Young, has a very good defense. And when Chase Young plays, which even if he's suspended, if they make it to the playoff, he's back. And he's a freaking difference maker. The biggest defensive line difference maker I've seen since Ndamukong Sue. And there's been a lot of great ones, right? A defensive lineman can make or break your team in certain scenarios, right? That, that 2010 Auburn team did not have a great defense on paper, but Nick Fairley almost single-handedly destroyed the Oregon offense in that national championship game was the main reason they held that team to 19 points. They couldn't run the football up the middle on Nick Fairley. So if Chase Young does play for Ohio State, they're hands down the best defense to me. And even without Chase Young, I think they're right on par with what Clemson is. So let's just enjoy the fact 
that we have all these teams alive for the college football playoff. Because guess what? If you put a team in a game, one game, it's college football, it's one game, just like the NCAA basketball tournament, one game. That's why seven seeds beat two seeds. That's why we have weird final fours. Let college football be the same thing, okay? Stop getting caught up in the, I want the best four teams. I don't care how many losses. I just want the teams that Vegas has favored. That's not fun. The entire regular season of college football is a playoff. As soon as you lose, you get thrown in this circle of debate. If you don't want to get thrown in that debate circle, don't lose a football game. Obviously, easier said than done for some teams. There's no questions asked that almost every team that's in the top 10 right now has had a harder schedule overall than Clemson. That That's true. But guess what? Clemson's not losing, so they're going, Okay. You know, Oregon's going to get in a debate if they win with Oklahoma, possibly. Maybe they let Alabama in that debate. Probably not. But Oregon, sorry, if you want to confirm that you don't have debate, beat Auburn that first game. Oh, and here's another thing real quick when it comes to Oregon, why I think the committee would have to let Oregon in at 12-1 and over Alabama. The committee has stressed scheduling and strength of schedule and all these things. And if they don't want to sound hypocritical, I think they have to let Oregon in because... If you put, let's say it was Alabama, the controversy would break out, but let's say the committee just goes, you know what? We think Alabama is still the best team. We don't care that they didn't win their conference 11-1. and We're putting them in the college football playoff over a 12-1 and Oregon. What you're basically telling Oregon is you should have scheduled New Mexico State or Portland State that first game and just gone undefeated because we know for a fact that an undefeated team is going to the playoff. So in my opinion, you can't punish Oregon for that loss when it comes to comparing them against an 11-1 team that didn't win their conference. Now, if you are comparing them to Oklahoma, I'm not sure. Maybe Oregon's loss is better on paper. Maybe it's not. But I think in that scenario, you could go, you know what? Oregon and Oklahoma, you're both 12-1, but we just think that Oklahoma's the better 12-1 team. Now, I, I don't think that's true. I think Oregon's actually better, but, but I'm just saying that argument makes way more sense and is way less controversial than them saying, you know what, Alabama, we think you're better than Oklahoma and Oregon, so you're going, right? That's that's way more controversial because you're basically telling Oregon, don't schedule that tough game. The whole point of scheduling that tough game, yeah, obviously if you win it, it's, it's, it's really good, right? When LSU beats Texas, that's a really big win for them and just ensures their resume is even better. But the whole point of scheduling that game is you can lose it and then rally and win your conference and have that be your only loss. That's also the other point of scheduling that game. It's not, oh, because you're the Pac-12, you have to schedule this crazy hard game and win it and go undefeated in conference when you play more conference games than the ACC or SEC. Here's a stat that I think is going to blow a lot of people away. I've heard uh, Joel Klatt bring this up several times. No team in the playoff era has ever gone 9-0 and against their conference and won their conference championship game. So no team that's had to play nine conference games has won all those games and then won their conference title. Now, the closest a team came to doing this was Wisconsin and Iowa back in 2015 and in 2017. In 2015, Iowa had an undefeated regular season, won all nine of their conference Big Ten games, but they lost the Big Ten championship to Michigan State, who went to the playoff. In 2017, Wisconsin had went 9-0 and against their conference schedule, but they lost the Big Ten championship game to Ohio State, who went on to go to the Rose Bowl. Or sorry, the Cotton Bowl that year. And if Oregon is able to go undefeated against their nine game conference schedule and then win the big the Pac-12 championship game, they would be the first team to do that. That is a big deal. That matters, okay? If Ohio State does that this year undefeated, they'll be the first team to do it. Oklahoma's not doing it this year. They lost a conference game already. So that's something the ACC and SEC don't understand a lot of times, especially SEC because they're the one that pumps their chest all the time. If the SEC had to play that last conference game, that ninth game, and you take away the Mercer games, you take away the New Mexico states that they play, right, that they squeeze in there, and you have to go play another SEC game, there would be more losses, okay? 
Same in the ACC, right? That extra conference game versus playing your Mercer, that's a big deal, right? Look at my team, Florida State. They're playing Alabama State this week instead of another ACC game. So we've already written them into a bowl game. By the way, Florida State, wow, crazy big win. Was not expecting them to come out and do that. If, if anything justifies the firing of Willie Taggart more than that game, I don't, I don't know what does. But going into that game, Florida State had to win to get to six wins because you kind of are ensuring and almost guarantee that they're going to beat Alabama State. So now that they've beaten Boston College, you're already locking them into a bull scenario. We know they're going to lose to Florida, so we think they're going to finish 6-6 six and six now because we know they're going to beat Alabama State. Well, if Florida State had to go play another ACC game, I don't care who it is, whether it's Georgia Tech, right, um, just somebody else out there, it would most likely be a coastal team, right? So whoever, Duke, whoever it is, that would be another kind of hard game for them. And if they lose it, they're not going bowling. So the Pac-12, the Big 12, and the Big 10 do something harder than the SEC and the ACC. And the SEC has their little excuse where they're like, well, we usually have the best teams and this SEC schedule is daunting. I've made the argument before. It's not as daunting. Yeah, cool. If you're, Let's say you're LSU. Now, LSU played Texas this year, so that, that's awesome. That kind of makes up for their other non-conference game but like look at Alabama this year cool Alabama is going to play Auburn and LSU those are highly ranked teams those are good games better games than than Clemson has better games than than Utah has on their schedule you know or so a lot of these big 10 teams but what's actually harder playing nine t- conference games against you know power five division one football teams or if you're Alabama, you play two really tough games, not taken away from the LSU and the Auburn schedule. But then you play three absolute cupcakes, right? I've talked Alabama's plays like what is it, Southern Miss or, or like Louisiana team, some group of five. They play uh I think Mercer, like coming up, and they play New Mexico State or whatever it was, and then their non-conference game was Duke, who's a mediocre ACC team. So it's like Alabama's schedule, like I said earlier in the show, outside of the LSU game, it's no different than Clemson's. And I think some of these Pac-12 schedules, these Big 12 schedules, these Big 10 schedules are a lot harder. Texas has an incredibly hard schedule. Texas has to play nine conference games. Included in those conference games are Iowa State, good team. Sometimes has, you know, the three, four losses, but very good team. Baylor's undefeated this year. Great team. Oklahoma, really good team, right? Kansas State, really solid team. They've got a lot of tough conference games. TCU's good, decent, you know, hard to beat on any given Saturday. And then they threw LSU into that mix. That's a hard schedule. It's very hard to go undefeated against that schedule. So just keep all that stuff in mind when you're making these debates in your head or you're talking with your buddies. That That is a way bigger deal than people make it out to be. People like to just look at Alabama and go, oh, they're great, they're Bama, they're beating everybody even though they're bad, we know they're Bama. Oh, and now we don't want to punish them for losing the only good team they've played. But we want to punish Clemson for almost losing a game to North Carolina, who's not bad, right? Up and down team, a team that won two games last year, but it's really good this year, a team that beat South Carolina. I mean, it just, it doesn't make sense. That is hypocrisy. Just, you can make your cases for teams. Just don't be a hypocrite when doing so. Okay? I hope that's eye-opening for a lot of people because I think a lot of people just don't take all those factors into consideration. They like to just look at Alabama in this bubble, this team in that bubble, and just go, well, they're not as good. Right? I don't care what Minnesota did. Minnesota's not better than Bama. So Bama should get in over Minnesota no matter what Minnesota does. No, that's not how it works. No other sport do you let a team that accomplishes less receive more because they're just better. Again, I know this is also apples to oranges a little bit, but in the NFL, right, you have all your divisions and it's solely just based on your record. It doesn't matter that one division might have three or four teams capable of winning playoff games and this division is terrible over here, has three terrible teams and one decent team, right? Think about it. There was the one year where... Seattle, I think this was 2009, the same year that uh, Marshall Lynch had the one run against the Saints, but I'm pretty sure that year, or one of the years close to there, Seattle made the playoffs at 7-9 and nine because their division was so bad that 7-9 and nine was the best record in the division, and if you win your division, you make the playoff in the NFL. So 
it didn't matter that there was like the NFC East that year that had three teams with winning records, right? I think that same year you had like a the Eagles, Giants, right? And uh, not the Redskins, but Cowboys. They were all 10 and 6 or better. I don't know exactly what the records were, but all of those teams had at least 10 wins. Guess what? One of them didn't go to the playoff. One of them won their division, went to the playoff. One of them got a wild card. The other one sat home. We all knew that that third NFC East team was way better than Seattle at seven and nine, but it didn't matter because Seattle won the division they played in and that other team didn't. You got to have a semi-similar criteria in college football, okay? It's called the Power Five for a reason because it's the Power Five. It's not the, the Power One and the Mediocre Three and the Loser One, right? The conferences change every year, but if you if you call them the Power Five, by default, you have to treat them on some sort of an even keel. And I've talked about the scheduling changes that would fix all these problems, right? If we if everybody just played nine conference games and everybody was forced to play all Division One teams, it would be way easier to just default to that NFL model, like, well, best records better, you know? SEC fans would still complain, but everybody else would be okay with that. So, and I know it's not like that now, so you have to have these resume debates a little bit, but it is called the Power Five. By default, you have to sort of hold them on some sort of even even footing there. But anyway, moving on to a couple other things that are cool real quick. Uh, after LSU won, um, I don't know if how many people saw that viral video of Coach O's speech in the locker room, which was awesome. Just freaking awesome speech. And I'm glad to see that most you know, big pundits in college football are okay with the speech, but, you know, they're still like, ah, oh, but you can't record that, you know, that's a private moment, blah, blah, blah. I'm glad this was recorded and got out, and I think that pundits and people need to just accept the fact, hey, we live in the social media age where everything is recorded, so fans, if you have a problem with that, you're not a real football fan. You obviously never played the sport. You've never been in a locker room. That is football. That is sports, Okay. You beat your rival, you go to get an emotional locker room, you drop F-bombs, you criticize the other team. That's awesome stuff. That's not, oh, it should have been private. No, let the world see that. Let us see what goes on in these locker rooms. I want to see that. But I'm not one of these people that's going to start judging, you know, for it. But, you know, all these other people will. And I love Coach O's response. He was like, oh, yeah, I wish it wasn't recorded. That was kind of annoying. But in no way did he apologize. In no way did he act like he acted inappropriately because he didn't. That's what happens in every locker room, and I hope it gets recorded more, and people just get used to it. And if you don't like that, then stop being a sports fan. Seriously, if you don't like a coach riling up his troops after a big game, dropping F-bombs and criticizing their rival and talking about how they're going to beat that ass you know, going forward, then you aren't a sports fan. You're, a, you're just a little bitch. I mean, excuse the language, but that's, you're just a little bitch. Okay, that was awesome. And we need more of that stuff in sports, especially football, which is such a physical, crazy, dangerous, adrenaline filled sport. That's what it is. So that was awesome. Loved seeing that. Also, back on the coaching tangents real quick. Of course, you have a huge faction of the FSU Florida State fan base and kind of some other people outside of it that were not happy about Willie Taggart being fired after two years, which is justified, right? It's not a common thing. I talked about in two podcasts ago when I did the special on the Florida State coaching search why it was justified in this scenario. But then, of course, you have your idiots that want to bring race into it and act like it was there was racism involved and that a white coach would have got more time and blah, 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 blah. Um, no, if you think that, you're an idiot, obviously. But... At least we have something that kind of proves you wrong now. Uh, Chad Morris, like I said, got fired for Arkansas after two years, right? Or less than two years. He got one week longer than Willie. Now, what I'm seeing some people say is, no, 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 that wasn't comparable. Arkansas was so much worse than Florida State. And that, that is true. Arkansas was way worse than Florida State. They were getting blown out by a group of five schools, Right? Florida State's problem was they couldn't beat anybody good. They had a terrible losing record. There was no upside. And they were having close games against group of five schools, right? Like Louisiana Monroe this year. That is different. Florida State was in better shape than Arkansas. Here's the thing that evens it out, though. One of those schools is Arkansas, and one of those schools is Florida freaking state. They're not comparable programs when it comes to standards. Arkansas's maybe had like five 10 win seasons in the last. 30 years or so, Florida State's had like 25, 
Okay, Florida State wins national championships. Arkansas doesn't do that since like maybe the 60s was the last time they played for one or were in contention for one. And I know Arkansas had a decent run there with uh, uh, Patino and the uh, the whole Matt Ryan Mallett was their quarterback. Yeah, they they had to were a pretty good team for those couple years. But no, that's like the ceiling at Arkansas, and that should be the floor at a place like Florida State. So it's just it's just uncomparable. So it's totally justified, and it proves that no race is not a factor, idiots. It's all about getting it done and living up to the expectations of your schools. Willie Taggart was not doing that, not showing anything close to that. And also, I mean, gosh, if you just watch that Florida State-Boston College game, you cannot convince me that Florida State wins that game or even keeps it close if they don't make the coaching change after the Miami game. You, you just can't convince me of that. So the way they played was just even more proof to me that they made the right decision getting rid of Willie Taggart. And obviously, Arkansas made the right decision getting rid of Chad Morris because holy cow, right? Anyway, that's it for today. I will see you guys later this week after the playoff rankings are released, and let's see if I'm right, if they if they keep the teams ranked where I thought they were. But like I said, remember, it doesn't matter because teams will jump Alabama in the end, even if Alabama stays in top four. All right, see you guys later. Time